know what? He can well, take a little criticism You have to remember, I knew Carl. I can't believe we're getting into this. This is good, actually. <laughs> I, Carl uh, started this podcast right from the beginning, like three years ago. Uh, it was almost four, almost four, because we started talking about it in 2018 before we started. And there was a, there was a woman here who has uh, since moved on. Uh, she was at law school at Penn. The last I was able to get a hold of, get a hold of them. But um, their name was, <coughs> excuse me, uh, Margaret Hugh. Shout out to her. She's been a guest too. Awesome, awesome woman. Uh, and we sat at our dining room table, and I'm explaining to Carl and Margaret like what I was trying to do and i said yeah it'll be informal uh there'll be funny stuff we'll, we'll have like academics and journalists but a lot of it will be like you know the dirt bag left which had a little bit of a different connotation then <laughs> and i was like you know chapo trap house and i turned i turned to margaret and i said to, you know she's like i have no idea what you're talking about i turned to carl <laughs> carl's like i know exactly what you're talking about <laughs> oh, oh yeah and so that's kind of how we, we we're very we're actually uh, we joke all the time that we do a good cop bad cop cuz he's he's his his personality is very different than mine. Yeah, very, very straightforward. Uh, very uh, matter of fact, um, deliberate, I should say. Mm-hmm. Where you appear to be the looser one. Very, I think that that's exactly right. I think within energetic. five minutes you 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 sorted that out. <laughs> that's, that's true. Uh, comrades and friends, hello. Uh, we're in the shadow of Rockford Tower. We're behind enemy lines. We're in the belly of the Delaware Way Beast. And we're kicking it in the studio, um, as we do. Carl is here, as he normally is. My guest today uh, is running an RD9. Yay. Uh, what, what, what we used to call, when I was a kid, MOT. Uh, they still call it MOT. It is definitely still called MOT. Word. Um, Terrell Williams. Hi. Welcome. Oh, well, hold up. Thank you guys for having me. I shouldn't be saying no. I'm unwelcome, but you, you know what? I, I feel like you guys have already given me this space and it feels like my own. So welcome. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. I mean, I, I like, so some people like earlier today recorded with friends that I know that are like, you know, that we know. And so I know how that's going to go. I know everybody. And then sometimes people come that I don't know. Meeting her for the first time happens a lot, and uh, you know I never know how, how you know how formal they're going to be. Where are they going to want to drink? Uh, what are they going to want to sit? With how's it going to go? And as soon as you sat down, I was like, "All right, we're, this is fine. This is going to work great." <laughs> uh, yeah, just I, I'm I, and and then you used the word authentic, and I was like, "Yeah, this guy gets it." So yeah, it's good to have you here. Oh, well, it's good to be here, and uh, I thank you guys for extending the invitation. I know how big your podcast is. It's huge. More and, and the, more people. The are reach, it. you know what, is growing by the day. Pretty soon you guys are going to be on syndicated radio, which you got with your own radio show on a Delaware commute. But before we get there, um, you guys had the opportunity to interview me. Well, we were, we were, uh, I will say this. We covered uh, the one thing we did as a sort of, it was started as a gag, but then it became like an actual um, journalism project. Uh, Bill Martin and I covered the Kathy McGinnis trial in Dover, and we were recording every evening coming home. And then Carl wasn't going with us; he was just working in Wilmington, and uh, he would get the he would get the episode out the next morning. And so people would see us at the court, um, you know, the, the attorneys, some <laughs> of the other some of the other reporters that they had listened to it on their commute. So it was sort of like being on like morning drive, you know, radio. Oh, yeah. Well, first off, when you get people from different segments of the industry uh, taking notes and listening to your product, that's a testimony to both of you, both of you guys hard work, um, the effort that you put into it and the professionalism in which you guys uh, accomplish this task, this feat with. And you got the podcast is awesome. I had the opportunity to listen to a couple of episodes over the weekend just so I could get an idea of what I was getting into. And Who, who'd you listen to? <laughs> uh, I think you guys, uh, it was an episode, I forgot which politician, I think someone from city council in, Sinead, in Wilmington. Probably Sinead Darby then. Um, 
And then you guys had someone else from... Don't say Chris Johnson. Jesus Christ, don't do that. <laughs> it was a male and a female podcast. I'm terrible ah, with names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I, I do recognize uh, Councilwoman Darby's voice. So. Yeah. Well, um, let's get into a little of the business end. Uh, we, we always start these types of discussions with like just a little bit of background, like where you grew up, what it was like, how it might have influenced your uh, your career in say public service or, or or whatever, and you know just sort of give a little bio. Sure. So I grew up in Northwest Philadelphia, not West Philly people. Um, that would be the West Oak Lane section of the city, um, right along the border of Philadelphia and Sheltonham Township in Montgomery County. Uh, I'm the youngest of six. My mom and dad were married, uh, able to live in a single family home or a townhouse or a row house, whatever they like to call them these days. I just call uh, them row house. <laughs> we're sitting in one. Yes. Uh, uh, grew up to working class parents. My mom was a registered nurse. My dad worked for the city of Philadelphia in the water department let's see uh i am a twin so i don't think most people know this but i am a twin my mom and dad had two sets of twins so growing up one of my twin brothers died so because we're 11 months apart people really thought we were triplets so my brother cardell lives up here in wilmington Oh, guys. My, yeah. No, no, no. My oh. sister. Okay. I have a twin sister. So your twin is a sister. I'm a, my twin is a sister. Cardell's twin was a brother, but his He's twin died. Away. Yeah, his twin died at birth. So growing up, people thought we were triplets because my mom had three kids all under the age of one or one, whatever. Um, pretty young kids. And yeah, we were... Uh, we were, I, I tell people, we. my mom tried to raise us like the Winslows. <laughs> a, a cross between the Winslows and um, the Cosbys. So, of course, growing up, we we did music lessons and stuff. We played sports, went to the YMCA. But then we also had the opportunity to just to be neighborhood kids. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we went to public schools. So I, I graduated from um, Roxborough High School in 2000. Yes, people. That Roxborough High yes, School. That's right. Um, so my condolences go out to the young uh, man that was shot and killed there. I played football at Roxborough. Weird situation with that. You see, like, some vice cop was selling the guns. Did you see that? Yeah. You know what? I did that's see the wild. story. That was a Philadelphia sheriff. Sheriff. Okay. That was uh, selling guns. And you know what? Um, that's a side story you guys can ask me a question on. <laughs> <laughs> Law enforcement a little bit later. Well, that's what, well. Believe me, I, I do have that written down <laughs> uh, for sure. But that's cool, man. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm from here, but um, I always consider myself sort of a Philly guy because my dad was a Philly sports fan. My dad worked in Philly, so yeah, I, you know that's the media that we get here. So yeah, I, I can dig it. Oh yeah, uh, I mean, growing up at that time, I, I tell people um, we were the kids that were allowed to play outside for a little bit till your mom came to the front door, yelled out your name. Unfortunately for me and my siblings, our names rhymed. I have two older brothers uh, that are about nine and ten years apart from me and my sister and uh, other brother. But, yeah, we uh, grew up in Philly uh, to working class parents. My mom and dad did the best they could to get us to college. Of course, they I went on to go to school at Cheney University, graduate from there, uh, earned a master's from there, and went to law school at Western Michigan University. So uh, the journey is complete. My other siblings are doing pretty well. Uh, my nieces and nephews. So, man, did I mention that? Uh, so what prompted my um, what prompted me wanting to get into politics? Yeah, that's exactly what was my next sort of feeding into that. Like, what, what motivated you to say this is something I think I can, I can, I can do. So, uh, growing up, I, you know what I remember it clear as day. So, wanting to become an attorney and then wanting to get in the public office is a part of a, a strategic plan of mine, and I kind of worked it. Uh, my motivating factor was Bill Clinton. So when I was younger, we won't hold it against you. <laughs> Things were different. Uh, Things, folks. Yeah, you, there was a time when Bill Cosby and Bill Clinton were good. 
You know Sorry. That, I, I, there was a time. This, this is true. I know that some younger people don't get this, but old, old, old heads know. Old heads yeah, know. You, you know what? Um, I, I, I'm a, I tell people when they ask me, I, I'm, I'm a Clintonite and Obamacrat. Now, some people don't think that matches together, but philosophically, um, they were pretty aligned in their public policies and how they resonated with the public. And for me, uh, watching Bill Bill Clinton on the Arsenio Hall show, watching him debate uh, George Bush, uh, just watching his interaction. And I, I think one of those defining moments for me was participating in the community cleanup uh, in the 90s when they came to Philadelphia and we were part of the settlement music school. We took part in this community activity to clean up Germantown Avenue. Now, Germantown Avenue is this long road that stretches from northwest Philadelphia, goes all the way into Montgomery County, all the way down into almost South Philly. Chestnut Hill. Chestnut Hill. Yes, oh, yes. Bad. So, oh, look at you, naming a Philly streets and neighborhoods. Look, but I, I'm, I had a, my, my girlfriend <laughs> in the University of Delaware lived in Chestnut Hill. Okay. So I've been all up in there, all around there. Oh, yeah. So my part of the town, by the way, northwest section of the city. Um, but uh, having the opportunity to interact with him and just seeing our uh, political figures at that time, I always thought that Ed Rendell was charming. Um Good politician at the time, Shaka Fatai and Dwight Evans were my guys. Dwight Evans actually was my state representative growing up. And I remember whenever my mom had an issue or anything, she could reach out to his office and they could resolve it. And now looking at this opportunity that I have in front of me, and one of the reasons why I got into politics was to be connected to the community, to give back, to facilitate change, and to implement public policy that I think benefits the majority not the minority. That's yeah, I, I can I can see it. I was I, I Well, let's just get into it. Let's forget <laughs> this forget this all. I have a bunch of like I was going to do like a I was going to do like a okay, like just rattle off stuff and just see where you like Sort of test the waters, but it no, seems, no, ju- seems boring. I, I, you know what? I can swim. Jump into the deep end. Yeah, it seems boring. So <laughs> let's let's do what I what I've labeled here in my notes as the uh, controversial shift. Go ahead. Um. So we'll, I guess we'll just start out here first. I was I have to tell you I was pleased to see that the first sentence of uh, the section on your website why I'm running. Immediately names uh, Kevin uh, Hensley as someone who's failed the community. Um, before we get into like, and and I'm sure there are specific issues you want to mention, but just speak on that a little bit and 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 why you you lead off with that. Well, first thing um, I, I always tell people, January six was an insurrection. And when you have people out there that allow terrorists to fly under the radar under the guise of some type of political platform or ideology, and those people pose a threat to the American democracy, to our republic, then I have a problem. Um, At this point, I think it's safe to say, and as controversial as this may seem, but I've heard this from other Republicans. Um, being Republican right now is anti-American. And so when I, I called Kevin out on some of those things and I started off on my website about it, I just said, you know what? Uh, we ha- we're going to have to destroy the mystique, the nice guy image around Kevin Hensley. And Kevin Hensley is radical. He does not want to admit that President Biden won the election fair and square. He feeds this narrative that the election was stolen or that we need more voter security in the state of Delaware. There has not been an incident of voter fraud or voter misconduct in Delaware this millennium. Yeah, I mean, we've 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 said it. uh, He was for the for the the voting package, the election rights package that was going to be a constitutional amendment. um, He was one of the one of the cowards who switched their vote 
uh, after Agreed. January 6th. So he was on board, but then it became like, I kind of have to, maybe Total not say it out loud, lines. but like the elections are bad now, so I have to say we can't do this. And so just that, that those two votes should really indicate to people what you're dealing with. Well, look, um, just because your party uses uh, patriotic props and patriotic symbolism to show this false sense of connection to America doesn't mean they're patriotic. Uh, holding up, holding up an American flag, uh, putting an American pin on your uh, lapel jacket, putting it... Uh, j just saying that you stand up for first responders, even though some law enforcement officers may commit crimes, does not make you more American than me. Are you? Are you? Kevin Hensley has sold. That's strong. Let me not say that. Um, don't edit that neither, Carl. But uh, <laughs> see, you know, he knows already what yeah, you do. You know what, Kevin Hensley has. Uh, put himself in a place where his moral compass has been compromised and has been compromised for power. Nothing more. It's not in the interest of the people. It's not in the interest of democracy. It's in the interest of corporation. Um, it's in the interest of demigod leaders like former President Trump who want to hold themselves out and above the people who they want to serve over. That's not democracy. Yeah, I want to I, I want to mention something uh, because people some people listening to this will, will kind of be a little bit skeptical about framing this in this way. Um, but I think it's important. And this is why I think it's important. Uh, I'm sort of like old fashioned. And so um, when the Phillies won uh, the the pennant last week, I was listening to it on the radio. In the kitchen, making food. Because I wanted to listen to the local radio, and I heard that home run on local radio, which was pretty neat. <clears throat> the, the the adverts that they play on, like, the local radio now are, like, a lot of, like, right to life. Because it's all old people listening to the radio. It's not, like, who the fuck's listening to the radio? <laughs> so there, there's an ad that ran probably four or five times during the game. It was the Lee Murphy ad. So so our boy, our boy, 19-time loser, Lee Murphy, <laughs> is uh, is running against uh, Lisa. However, if you were to listen to the, the, <clears throat> the advert on the radio, he's running against Nancy Pelosi. Because Nancy Pelosi is somehow a communist, I guess. Uh, so that's, that's how he's situating this. So if, as a, as a, as a political messaging exercise, I think it's important to point out that reactionaries are going to use sort of national stories and national narratives, and they're going to sound goofy, just like Lee Murphy talking about <laughs> Nancy Pelosi sounds fucking stupid because he's going to get blown out by 25 points. <laughs> Man. So uh, for the for the nineteenth time, uh, <clears throat> but you have to you sort of have to address that. Like you have to say like there's a there's an aspect to this that's uh, sort of nationalistic, uh, weird sort of plays into the media narrative, which has, has nothing to do with anything. Um, so yeah, I, I do I appreciate that you that you made the point. Oh, yeah. I, you know what? Um, I was just talking to one of my friends, and we were talking about the Eagles-Dallas Cowboys game um, a couple of weeks ago on Sunday Night Football. Now, every other commercial, and, and I'm not excluding Dems from this neither. Um, and, guys, I, I'm a Democrat. Um, but every other commercial during that Eagles-Dallas Cowboys game, nationally, nationally televised game, or some form of negative ads. Nothing that nothing about those ads were informational. From uh, the PA Senate race, um, Oz running these ads about Featherman li living with his parents till forty nine. Guys, I I I'll tell you out there right now. Um, if it wasn't for my mother, God bless her soul, uh, for uh, 
like just different people at different times in my life, I wasn't financially stable in this economy until I was 35 years old. I'm 40 now. And yes, I, I make over six figures now. But coming up in my 20s and coming up in my 30s, I couldn't really afford to live independently, not alone, let alone afford to take care of my children. Um, I, I look at these ads, these political ads with Featherman running ads against Oz about dogs and killing animals. And I'm like, dude, where's the message in that? Um, I, I looked at an ad that came to mind real quick, and I'm going on a rant, but uh, about <laughs> uh, immigration, right? Um, the Republican Party was running an ad that's, that has something to do with the Nevada mass shooting and about this immigrant, um, illegal immigrant, shooting up all these people uh, and that the Democrats allow for criminal immigrants to come into the 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 country and we mentioned nothing about 80% of the mass shootings that happened between uh, the presidential election cycle in 2020 till now where 80% of the mass shootings occurred by Americans. And I'm like, well, if we want to inform the public so that they can make uh, conscientious choices, make informed choices on the ballots, when are we going to get back to just arguing the issues? Yeah, because I don't think the idea is not to get people to make conscientious, informed choices, right? It's it's to, uh, you know, maintain the narrative uh, for particular interests that you don't, you never say. And, uh, and, and yeah, and you mentioned it before. It's just the power thing. That's it. It's just to maintain that. Like, Hensley has to pretend that the elections aren't fair when we all know they're fair. But he has to pretend. So, you know, my, my friend uh, that I just uh, interviewed uh, for the podcast, Jason Miles, from uh, This Is Revolution, he compares it to uh, pro wrestling, like kayfabe and pro wrestling. Kayfabe. And no, no, nobody can break it, you know. So you're watching this stuff. This is what allows, like, again, it's what allows Big Murph to be like, I'm going against Pelosi. <laughs> it just doesn't, it doesn't even make any sense when you think about it, but that's the storyline. So you can't, you got to do the storyline, you know. So, so back to Representative Hensley, I uh, had the opportunity to partake in a phone call with Representative Hensley earlier this year. And that was with the American Civil Liberties Union. And we were talking about vote by mail. And within that conversation, um, I was able to cross-examine Representative Hensley. And he brought up all these reasons why he couldn't support vote by mail. And one particular issue that just stood out was that he said um, dead people were voting in our elections. Now, during the 2020 election cycle, we had mail by vote by mail. And as you know, uh, Delawareans die every day. Um, it's just a fact of life. And some of the people that passed away before one of their dying declarations or whatever, one of the last things they were able to do before they transitioned was vote. Now, if those people were able to cast a ballot before they pass, um, do we not count those ballots? Is that what he's talking about? We're yeah, talking about like, how many people could that have possibly been who died in that window? If you like, maybe I would say people probably did, like you said, like a dozen, but don't two dozen. But does that make those votes illegal? No. And so when he also he talks about people that move in and out of state. Well, I can tell you, and I, I just I want to plug this uh, because uh, one of the editors, uh, the contributing editor to the Delaware Call, Andrew Galvin, uh, submitted a FOIA request and did a story about this, about uh, how they take return ballots. So if somebody's no longer living in an address, they've moved out of state, or even if they've moved in state, uh, or you know whatever the reason. Uh, how many ballots it was total, and and exactly what the process is. So there's no there's no shenanigans. It's completely fine. Exactly. It's nineteen thousand uh, ballots were mailed to addresses where either the person wasn't there or is the wrong address. They all get sent back and reconciled in this particular process that's completely laid out. Yeah, that's it. I mean, that's the facts. But Representative Hensley would, I dare say, mislead the public to 
indicate that is widespread voter fraud going on in the state of Delaware. And when he had to admit that that's not true and that that that's a very small number of people who may pass um, prior after casting their vote or those individuals who happen to live out of state who cast a vote like my guy, what happened to democracy? Why don't we want a more inclusive, more representative democracy? If the Republicans came up with a better national plan and local plan that people, that the majority of people would gravitate to, uh, voter inclusion would not be an issue. So let me ask you uh, one more sort of question about a topic and then sort of just a general idea. So the topic is the cop bill of rights. You mentioned the police before. Um, this has been one of the stickiest problems, I think, um, because of really what what it means. You know, a, a, a few people are killed by cops or, or 10 people are beat up by cops or 100. But really what it means is that the stakeholders here have armed control. And you can't find out what anybody's doing. Very bad. Um, they've tried to make even the the smallest changes. Never goes anywhere. They tried to have, you know, they tried to have an ex-cop do multiple task forces. <laughs> People were just like, this is not working. Oh, man. Um, so... What's your what's your stance on on Leobor and 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 related criminal justice issues? Well, so let's start off by this. How many police officers do we have in the Delaware State Assembly, black or white, okay. Asian, Latino, whatever? Many, many. Right. <laughs> um, that is the problem right then and there. Look. I, I tell people I grew up wanting to be a police officer. I went from being a federal correctional officer to almost becoming the FBI agent. If you guys want to see the higher letter I carried around as a souvenir. I don't, so, actually. So, I smoke weed in here. Yeah, I won't, you know I, I won't tell your Republican neighbors, though. <laughs> I promise Man, not to tell you know them. what? I, I, I tell people I grew up wanting to be a law enforcement officer. And you can ask me about marijuana later. But I grew up wanting to sure. be a law enforcement officer, so I have a great deal of respect for police officers and those individuals who are willing to serve our community and put their life on the line. But I w let's be honest here. What industry, what other industry or profession in America can you, can you work in and have absolute autonomy and discretion, work behind the veil of secrecy? If me as a lawyer right now made a mistake and I was found to have violated some uh, legal oath or duty, there is a report that, that's printed in the New Jersey Bar Association, Pennsylvania Bar Association, Maryland or Delaware that would list the offense that I committed, why I'm being disbarred or why I'm being reprimanded so that the whole public can see. If a doctor commits malpractice right now, or a CPA commits malpractice and the media gets a hold of it, it is nowhere for them to hide. Look here, I, I take this for instance. Um, if a politician right now commits a crime or is found to have done something newsworthy, where can they hide at? Transparency has never, never been a barrier to democracy. It has only enhanced our society. So for those police officers that want to commit crimes, that want to violate their oath of duty, and think they can hide behind a police officer bill of right in the state of Delaware, they're wrong. People are getting tired of it. We had the opportunity in this state with Leo Board to make some real, uh, some real changes within the law enforcement community. Law enforcement needs a paradigm shift. They're not there just to police over the communities. They're there to be a part of the communities. And you can't be a part of the community if you're held to a standard that other people in the community aren't held to. I, I don't get it. I, I don't understand what 
what's wrong with a little bit of transparency? We're not asking for total access to police investigations. We're not asking to compromise uh, any integrity to any investigation or the police department. We're asking when it's been identified that an officer has violated some type of department rule that we be notified and that the, the process be as transparent as it is for everyday criminals. I love it. Here's what I'll tell you. Well, here, uh, well, uh, great answer. I'll tell you what I think it is, and then we'll talk about something uh, more fun. <laughs> <clears throat> I think what it is is another kayfabe thing. They so that the story is the crime is high. You should be afraid. We all know that. That you can't get out of that that story. Um, I mean, everybody asks you if it's safe to come to Wilmington. I live here. Like people are like, is it safe? No, it's not. Don't come. Uh, I'm scared. <laughs> He's joking. I'm scared right now. It's hard. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> they, they, you know, there, there's certain areas that need to be heavily, in a violent and authoritarian way, armed agents of the states need to control certain people and also, as best they can, sequester certain people in certain areas. And people have a, a, a they're, they're sick. They know that that has to happen. But they have to develop a story So that, like, it's kind of okay, and then when it does happen, we have a f the full apparatus of the state will make sure that nobody ever knows. Or if they do know, if you wind up shooting somebody and killing them for no reason, they have the, 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 the excuses built in. You, you made a furtive move. You coughed. You didn't put your left hand up high enough. You, you know, it's just everything. And so, yeah, there's a there's a um, there's a there's a real sick pretense involved in all of this, and that's why when you try to make heads or tails of it, you're like, who else could operate this way? But you can't operate. You can't be a public servant and just be like, yeah, look, we're gonna do some shit, and that's just that. A it doesn't Ka work like that. Ask Kathy McGinnis how that worked out for her. Ask Darius how that worked out for him. And no offense to those individuals, but if they were afforded the same opportunities that law enforcement officers are in the state, um, where would they be at? Uh, um, Darius is, was a rising star in the political party, right? Like, it, he, he could possibly have been in line to run for lieutenant governor or something. And yet, uh, and I, I'm no way, shape, or form taking this side, I think, hitting women is deplorable, but if if uh, Darius had not, if Darius had the ability to censor that tape from leaking out into the public and only a few people knew about it, how better off would his public perception be? If Kathy McGinnis was able to shield that investigative report and that whistleblower from telling people how she was running her office, how better off would her candidacy have been? She'd have probably been reelected. Thank God we have Lydia York, who is our Democratic nominee for state auditor. Uh, but look at it. Where else in, in this state can you operate with the type of autonomy that police officers can, law enforcement officers? And, and the worst bit of it is really, and I talked about this around ACLU just dropped a big report about the, the the squads that go out, like the the hit squads that go out and and enforce probation, uh, Operation Safe Streets and the Governor's Task Force. We just had a big thing about that. Um, yeah, I think people just they th that needs to operate in secret. Do you know what I mean? People don't want to talk about it. Um, it's not part of the narrative, and it's it's real yeah. weird. So, so uh, again, I I think it's a way for us to hold police officers accountable who commit crimes. Uh, I, I don't want to infringe on police officers who are working undercover, who have the difficult job of tracking down violent offenders, and um, police officers who 
every day put their lives on the line to go out and protect people like me, you, and Carl. But what I will say is that to allow uh, police officers to operate in a space where there is no uh, repercussions for their actions is a disservice to all Delawareans. And, uh, you know, I I tell people all the time, like, people think I'm this um, radical liberal that wants to... No such uh, thing. Exactly. I mean, look, I I will say this. A a Clintonite and an Obamaite might be a radical liberal. Uh, you know what? Uh, I'm only radical to those that don't understand that uh, that I want a more inclusive and diverse society. Well, so I, I, I'll, if those I'll leave things my... Are, no, go, no, go ahead. If those things are radical, then, hell, I'm guilty as charged. Well, that's what I was going to say. Our, our, our friend and comrade, Professor Harvey J.K., always likes to quote uh, Roosevelt, who is another sort of, you would think, uh, more centrist liberal, but... Um, he said that he thought that the United States needed to get radical for at least a generation or two um, just to make sure that some form of social democracy and capitalism could exist. So radical is a good thing. Uh, we're fans of it here, as you can probably tell. Oh, yeah. I feel at home. Um, <laughs> I, I'll tell people this like, and move on from the police. I, I don't want to make police jobs harder. Matter of fact, I want to grow um, many. I want to grow and diversify police departments. Um, I want to educate officers that are serving in um, underrepresented, underrepresented in minority communities. I want officers to have coping mechanisms to deal with different members of community. I want to ensure that people suffering from mental health uh, episodes or illness aren't being um, warehoused in our criminal justice system. I want our police officers to recognize when a person needs treatment and not a bullet. I want them to start to utilize and reach for non-deadly force weapons and equipment instead of the most deadliest force they have on them. Yeah, I think that's that's actually... That's the one way I would frame it. If I had to frame it in a less radical way than, than fuck the police up here, which I do believe. I, I stand behind that. Uh, he said that, not me. Yeah, he did not say that. That, was, that should be very for, – for now, that should be very clear. Um, but, yeah, the amount of violence that is done in the name of protecting people, that's never – we're never going to be able to uh, have any kind of safety and security or trust in the state if they have a monopoly on violence. If, if, if they behave so cruelly and violently and menace the, the people that they're meant to make feel safe. Empathy and so and anything, that brings the viol- anything that brings the violence down uh, about 10 <laughs> clicks. Tenacious. Yeah. Uh, Crime in America, and I'm going to let it go after this, I promise. Crime in America is not a black thing. It's not a poor people thing. It's not a minority thing. It's not a people of color thing. We are the most uh, institutionalized, criminalized society of any developed nation in the world. I want to lower the amount of people that are incarcerated in America. And when I mean incarcerated, those people that are on parole, probation, under some type of supervision, those people in halfway houses, uh, those people that are in jails and prisons throughout our country. Look, Delaware, listen to me on this. There is a better way to help people than being punitive on everything. People that are suffering from addiction, people that are suffering from mental illness do not need punitive correction. They need love, compassion, and medical assistance. And the moment we begin to realize that mental health is a health care issue and that addiction is a health care issue, we can begin to lower the number of people that we have revolving through our criminal justice system. And in turn, that makes policing our communities a little bit easier. It makes the police job a little bit safer. If they're not looking at people who are addicted to drugs and having a mental health illness as people that are 
worth arresting and criminalizing. And that right there starts at the lowest level. That starts at state and local government. That starts with having elected officials such as myself who can go into Dover, the General Assembly, and articulate these thoughts to people and get them to agree. I don't care what your social class is, your social economic status is, where you come from, who you're familiar with, who you have ties with. Look, everybody in this society is dealing with some type of mental illness or addiction. Let's not criminalize that. Let, let's take that off police officers' plate. That way they can go after the real criminals. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. So here's the here's the here's the fun half. All right, let's go. Here's the topic. Whew. You, Terrell Williams, R D nine, M O T, Middletown, Odessa Townsend. <clears throat> Got the endorsement of the Working Families Party of Delaware. Now, to some people, maybe they don't understand what that might be. To me, that's incredibly important. This is why. People like me want to do something that I like to characterize as heighten the contradictions. And I've noticed that in the last nine months, some politicians in the Democratic Party who are in that that conveyor belt that you mentioned before. You were like, Darius could have even just like run for lieutenant governor, or this person could might get, you know, when Lisa Blunt Rochester gets Carper's seat once he keels over, we're going to put somebody in the house. All of this, like, corporate ladder shuffle. Like, I know it exists. I like but, Darius, by the way. That's why I mentioned him. Well, <laughs> I, we've had, I've had conversations with a lot of people about the Darius situation. Um, Ty Greer being one of them and a lot of people. And, and my, my take on it is probably closer to yours. But that, <laughs> I've, I've had that. I've been canceled for that already. Uh, don't cancel me, people. Yeah, you're not canceled. I mean, you're not, as, you can't, as an individual. Nobody in here is getting canceled yeah, or, or somebody's going to have as a As an individual, problem, he's a likable guy. We don't like his habits. And I can say that publicly. <laughs> he did he did something that you were talking about before which i mean is an old school sort of democrat gone all the way back um idea which i think is one of the good ones i'd, I'd get rid of the well we're going to talk about the one i'd get rid of but bringing back stuff for your community and your neighborhood um uh, is an important idea so i i, I i'm with you on that these the, the i think where the line of demarcation is going to have to be drawn between people who are trying to contact me and people in my orbit and people that I work with about like getting leftist cred. There's people that are trying to get leftist cred. We'll just, we'll leave it at that. <laughs> right. I get it. You feel me? Uh, I feel you. Okay. Cause people have reached out. Some people have reached out through intermediaries, which I find very funny. <laughs> So, and then you hear stories, you're like, why is this person doing, uh, I, I know why. So if you're, if you're doing, if you're listening to this and you're doing it, I know you're doing it because <laughs> they listen to this as well because they're trying to get leftist credit. <clears throat> but here's the question I would ask them to figure out whether or not somebody like the Working Families Party should endorse you or whether I'm going to fuck with you. We just gave the state from the strategic fund uh, $4 million to Salinas to take over one of the DuPont labs. About a month ago, month and a half, we gave $2.6 million to Ally Financial. Uh, I don't remember how much we gave to Amazon when we went and, 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 uh, and fucked, fucked around down there with Kowalko. It was, it was a million it was, bucks, two million bucks? It was either two and a half million or four and a half million. I'll yeah. Check. Okay. So we'll go low on two and a half million bucks. <laughs> Meanwhile, Carney and Bullock and Saran Cade. Yeah, I said it, Saran Cade. 4.5 million. 4.5 million to Amazon. And I said it, Saran Cade. <laughs> you got to get your fucking act together, pal. We're friends. And we know what you're doing. You're doing shit behind the scenes and we don't like it. Just letting you know. It's a friend, friend to friend. 
they're trying to cut the health benefits of state pensioners. So we can give money to a bank to maybe hire 50 fucking coders from Ben DuPont's coding school. But we can't make sure that the water in schools doesn't have fucking poison in it. And, you know, you know, and, and pensioners can get the regular health care that they earned. And, and so, I'll give you another example, just to make it oh, clear. <laughs> Our friend Carl Baker just wrote a review of Hal Weitzman's book, What's the Matter with Delaware? It's about the corporate state, how people can park trusts here and LLCs and tax avoidance situations in this state so that we can fund, I guess, the general fund. I guess that money just goes back to fucking Ally Financial somehow. <laughs> um, it's all a big fucking circle. So the question that I, this, so now that was a long-winded way to get to the question. That was your there's going to there's going to be people who are interested in challenging that structure, and there's going to be people who aren't. Now there's going to be people who support weed legalization because it's obvious, support some changes to Leobor, some f- tenants' rights. Right, of course. He's raising, just so everybody knows, I'm he's raising, raising my his hand. Because he supports this stuff. This is how you get the WFP fucking endorsement. You can't be a dickhead to get that. <laughs> uh, where I draw my line of demarcation is a, a somebody who's prepared to challenge that institution or set of institutions, to challenge the Chamber of Commerce, to challenge the Restaurant Association, to challenge the, the the big attorneys who write the write the law in secret, uh, to, to 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 challenge what what I like to call and everybody actually calls stakeholders. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the community is not a stakeholder. The fucking chamber it of is commerce is a stakeholder. stakeholder. So that needs to be challenged, in my view, and that's what the line of demarcation is going to be. I'm not telling you. I'm not saying you have to stake out a position, or say that you're going to do X or Y or Z. I, but I would be interested just to like hear your answer to that to that the, that that the, that those two things. So first off, I, I, I will say this without alienating um, any of my future colleagues in the General Assembly, um, I think it's a generation gap in Delaware's General Assembly. We we have the baby boomer generation and America's greatest generation um, in there, and now you have a bunch of millennials in there, um, and and. Including millennials, I mean Gen X, Y, Z. Um, is Medina a Zoomer? Medina's a Zoomer. No, she's a millennial. Okay, she a you're millennial. a Zoomer. This, the guy putting him in is a Zoomer. Yeah, no, yeah. I'm, I'm right right on the line. Yeah, so we, we have a generational divide. And with that generational divide, you have a bunch of people that are like Clinton, um, that are like uh, JFK-type Democrats. And then you got those coming in like me. You know what? This is our time. And you know what your your ideologies your your uh, philosophies don't necessarily align with the the majority of people in this state. Like um, baby boomers are retiring, and they haven't passed the baton on to the next generation. And to get to your question, what side I'm gonna pick? I'm on the side of the people. I'm a Democrat. Don't get me wrong, but I, I support the people that have put me in office and they're sending me in office knowing what my platform is. They want mental health reform. They want me to protect Medicaid and their pensions. They want to ensure that their property taxes remain affordable. There are people putting me in there, know that their children are growing up and want to be homeowners in the state of Delaware. I'm going there to make sure that people, everyday people like me and you can afford to buy houses in Delaware. Um, How do you do that? Now I'm a friend because I'm uh, one of the. I'm not even going to say I'm a friend. I'm. We have a, a special relationship, we'll say, with Eugene Young. He was part of the uh, the group that sort of inspired a, an, enough people here to turn this into something that uh, is more like a movement than like an interest group. <laughs> and he's the secretary of housing. And I know what his ideas are. I know where he's coming from. But I also know that he, the, the things that are within his flexible control are very narrow. 
So I'm interested what you if, if you have a specific idea because since you mentioned housing, what you so think. the one thing I'm gonna say right off the bat, we gotta admit that which housing programs aren't working. So uh, Delaware State Housing Authority has some programs for first time home buyers. Those programs aren't working. State of Delaware, are you hearing me? It has not increased minority home ownership rates in the state of Delaware. In fact, some of these programs, whether it be through Sally May or whoever, people uh, people of color aren't getting the same financing and low interest rates that other groups are. Um, Newcastle County has a workforce housing program. Guess what? That program's not working, people. It's not. So now I identified what is wrong. What am I going to do to change it? First off, we got to increase the uh, the income limits for the workforce housing program and for state assistance. Like, let's stop putting a limit on how much people can make. Uh, we have to change some of the guidelines around how much debt people are allowed to carry to purchase a house. Like every month, people pick and choose which bills they're going to pay, right? But we have these set of guidelines that tell us that these corporations say that housing can only take up 30% of your income. No, we're going to have to increase that. Well, um, I'll tell you this. On those two ideas, I like the first one. Huge fan of the first one. My idea of means testing is there shouldn't be any. Oh, I everything get everything should be nearly universal. Everybody gets it if they if they need it, and even if they don't need it, they still get it. And if they don't need it, we we have a mechanism to figure that out on the back end. It's called the Internal Revenue Service, and then we just make sure you're not hiding your stuff. Uh, so that part, I love it. The idea that the mechanism through somehow that the the the, the banking, if we can. If, if we can change their, you know, turn the knobs on it a little bit to make sure people can carry more more debt. I don't like that one. Well, I I will say this, um, not so much. Look, people been carrying debt, right? Every day we have multi million dollar corporations in the state of Delaware that file for bankruptcy and get away tax free. I believe the majority of people are going to be responsible enough to pay their mortgage because that's where they live. That those are the facts. People prioritize which bills they're going to pay. Yeah, no, and, I, I, and, I, I and, feel and, you and on within that. And within that same within that same lens, right? You have people that are going to minimize their expenses in other areas just to maintain their house. They're going to tell their kids to turn off the electricity at night. Hey, look, we can't drive here. We we can't eat out every Friday night. We're going to have to find, and also we could put subsidies in place. Right now, Delaware has the this state housing grant, right? How many Delawareans first know about this state housing grant that has down payment assistance? Yeah, see, uh, educating people, making sure that the social assistance and and stipends and vouchers are getting to the people who need them, making it very easy to be like, actually, we should just send it to them. Like, there shouldn't even, you shouldn't have to know, like, how to apply, like, you should just get it. That's... Real estate I, agents should be helping people fill out for them grants left and right, and some are. Completely, but here's, here's, the, here's the problem. I think this gets to the crux of it. Maybe this will end on this. Actually, we're going to end on making fun of the Astros, because uh, <laughs> Carl and his dad are, are big Astros fans. Oh, man. But I, I feel sorry for you they're guys. They're from there, though, but they're going to get beat. We know that. Yes. So it, it gets down to this. My position is that for individuals having to make choice, I don't want to bring it down to individuals making choices about their housing and what bills they're going to pay. I want to critique systemic things that are, that are stopping people from just being comfortable. Not making decisions about whether they have to turn the lights out or not use the heat or, or whatever. I, 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 th I think, as I said, I think that the, the best thing society can do is not rely upon people whose interest it is in making money totally or, having, or having things run, quote, efficiently. 
Um, the more we can have the system run for the benefit of people that like live here, that's the best thing we can do. So that's the only reason I am skeptical when we talk about if we if we rearrange the system and turn the knobs a little bit here and there, that that's going to be some uh, no, I, some big win. That's, so that's, me, I just wanted to explain mine. Yeah, my no, point. let me clarify that. When I, when I say uh, legislation to support uh, the banking industry uh, or support uh, minority homebuyers in the process for being able just to purchase the house, forget all the other stuff that people are going to have to make sacrifices to continue to afford their house, Look, like, I, I live in a big house in Middletown, right? Um, I had the VA loan because I'm a veteran. We didn't talk about that. I had oh, that yeah. down. That me, was interesting. Me and my, uh, between me and my wife, we make enough money to afford this house, right? But every once in a while, we come up on things that obstacles or barriers, adversities that may make us have to pinch our wallet and pocketbook a little bit. I'm not saying that people have to choose which bills they're going to pay i'm saying look we need mechanisms in place to assure the financing process the purchasing process for home ownership in delaware is fair and transparent so with that being said when i look at housing um the biggest barrier for most millennials in buying a house is because they have student loan debt student loan debt and um we we don't scrutinize the education industry enough for how they have raised prices i hear bernie sanders say all the time hey i i went to a community college i went to a four-year institution i went to grad school and i went to uh law school all for the price of a pencil back in 1970 or 1960 wherever it had been you know what we should do we should cut in here I just saw this. Bernie is on a little bit of a tour now because it's uh, electoral time. And he had a conversation with, I believe, a, uh, a Finn or a Norwegian man, I think, somebody from Scandinavia, and who was explaining <coughs> how if you were like wanted to become a doctor, how it would work. Because we have this big thing about whether we're going to uh, give people $10,000 or $20,000 on their student loans, as you said, just to... Kind of like boost the economy, give the people who went to school, you know, a little relief. working people a little relief. If I were interested in becoming a doctor uh, in Finland, uh, I have to go to college, I have to go to medical school. Uh, in this country, it is not uncommon for people to leave medical school three or four hundred thousand dollars in debt. Uh, how much debt do I leave medical school and college in Finland? Well, uh, basically, um, there, there are no fees for the tuition freeze fees, so it means that uh, you don't pay for the education itself. Um, you get state financial aid for students for your living expenses. Um, then it basically depends on a on, on number of factors if you need to borrow some money. If you don't have the time, if you really want to focus on your studies, you don't want to supplement your income by, by working like, like uh, uh, sort of part-time, then of course you can borrow money uh, and, and then you, have, you can have some debt. But uh, still, uh, like in, in many cases, uh, people graduate without having any debt. So, so did I, so I was lucky in that sense. Yeah, I mean, you could, you could make education a public good or you could figure out how to make an extra nickel out of it. And I, I put the onus on the universities, colleges and universities and trade schools to make education more affordable in this country. Look, the people in my generation, which includes you guys, not you, Carl, but uh, Goddamn Zimmer. <laughs> we were sold a bag of goods, right? Growing up, I'm born in 1982, so I'm 40 this year. Don't feel sorry for me, guys. Buddy, I certainly don't feel sorry for you <laughs> because I was born in 1974. All righty. So eight-year difference. So you understand this. We grew up in the era of public service announcements. We were sold a bag of goods. We were told that if you work hard, you go to school, you graduate high school, right? You go to college, get a four-year degree, you go to grad school or whatever other type of school you're going to do, and you graduate, get married. Uh, have 2.5 kids, you're going to be able to afford a white uh, big house, white picket fence, 
right? You're going to have this ability to live this middle-class lifestyle for the rest of your life until you're able to retire. You're going to be able to take 2.5 vacations per year. You're going to be able to afford a car, be able to save for your pension. And then 2008 hit. Now, most of us older millennials, right? Gen, uh, Gen X, Y, Z. I'm, a, um, I'm, a, I'm mixed up, just for the record. <laughs> for the record. I only The only reason, the only good thing about being Gen X, there's only one good thing about it. We're, we're, we have no redeeming qualities except I'm not a fucking boomer. Exactly. So everybody can suck it. So, so all of us, um, we're sold this, this, this dream, this fallacy by our baby boomer parents and come 2008 we were told oh we changed all the rules you guys can't do that this student loan debt that we told you just to go to school and don't worry about it um it'll be some mechanism in the future for you to get rid of this debt through public service turned out to be a lie can i blow your mind go ahead i want to close on this because i feel like this is a good closer I think this is going to blow your mind. I'm not sure. <laughs> I agree with everything you're saying. Um, there's been a 50-year counter-revolution to sort of reverse the small gains that were made in, in the New Deal and by labor. Uh, and, you know, <clears throat> started with, with Carter. We all know that. Harvey J.K. would tell us. It started with Carter. But you know who, you know who was a huge... Winner who who orchestrated all of the things that you're saying, which I agree with, Bill Clinton. Oh, man. You, <laughs> you know what? I Folks, uh, look, look, we can't get into it all. We're not going to get into it. <laughs> Here's what I'm going to say. <clears throat> I had never, uh, ne never met Terrell until today. We recorded today. We had a big studio day. And I can tell you, this is the, this is the direction we need to go in. We need to go in with somebody who's who's thoughtful, who's like, I mean, you heard him talk. I don't have to sell it. I'm a big fan. <laughs> so get out. Uh, this will go out. This will be out before the general election because now we're our, our planning is actually better and our scheduling is good. So now I can tell you that the, the Highlands Bunker podcast, as the Working Families Party did, endorses Terrell Williams and RD9. Wow, uh, I, I don't know what to say. I, I will tell you guys this, that, um, guys, this is your opportunity right now to exercise your vote. Our democracy is being threatened every day. And if we don't stand up now and take our democracy back from radicals, I'm not even going to name a party. I'm going to just say from radicals, from people that don't want to see everyday Americans succeed, then you know what? I'm not sure where we'll be in five or ten years that's just how serious it is and I, I hear people say that we sound in the alarms every election but we are drifting so far away from the principles in which this republic was founded on that that we if we don't stop the bleeding right now and get out and vote just vote and make a conscientious choice that we may not have an America that we grew up loving. So with that, I say thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. It's been a great conversation. Uh, invite me back anytime. Next time I'll bring donuts. I'll uh, bring you snacks. I'm going to hold you to that probably. <laughs> and, if, and when I'm elected, you guys can call me up and I, I will do this podcast and let you guys know what's going on down in Dover. You guys can ask me any question. I'll give insight on why I'm voting a certain way, why I support this t this type of legislation, or why I oppose it. Um, I'm pretty transparent. What you see is what you get. And um, go Phillies. I'm looking to party in on Broad Street. You must have read my mind. <laughs> Larry, Carl, I'm so sorry. But uh, you know where you live. You know what's, what's going to happen now. And so we're gonna have we're gonna have to say, go fightings, go fightings. MVP Bryce Harper. And you know what? We're we're now championship city. Soon as uh, the Sixers fire uh, uh, Doc Rivers, and I literally gets... saw I saw a tweet today that said, <laughs> funniest, funniest, the funniest next. thing for Game Three would be 
uh, to hype the crowd up. It's to call out Doc Rivers like he's going to throw the first pitch out and have him get fired in front of 45,000 people. <laughs> Come on, fucking Doc Rivers. Let's go. Yo, look, Sam Cassell, we're counting on you. Um, the Flyers, look, you could be like the Phillies. You, you know what? Four for four. I'm tired of seeing Boston and Los Angeles win Buddy, I'm actually tricks. going to the Philadelphia Union fucking uh, a conference final on Sunday. Dude, Man, Philly, Philly's on a, on a peak right now. We're peaking. You know what? Shout out to the Union, too. But I'll be at game three. Nice. On, oh, you're uh, going Monday. to game the, the baseball? Yeah, I was about to show you guys my ticket. Like, man, look, <laughs> I want to take a picture of it and get me, in before you get there. <laughs> me and my oh. son are going to be in there. We're, we're, go- we're going to play Philadelphia-Houston. Nice. Beautiful. Uh, we're we're going to create this father-son moment. Well, and, I, 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 I don't mean to rain on your parade, but I am known as a, uh, as a very negative – I have a negative attitude. <laughs> uh, the last World Series game I was at was uh, was at uh, Citizens Bank Park. The Phillies played the uh, the uh, Yankees, and they blew the game in the eighth inning, and it was horrible. <laughs> and I hated it, and I never wanted to go again. <laughs> uh, we'll look up the box score and post it. Uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Uh, you know what to do. Number one, if you live in RD nine, you, you vote for Terrell. Uh, number two, go to uh, patreoncom slash Bunker. Go in there, throw us 5 or $10 a month, help us continue to do our work. We have a lot of big things on the horizon. Just you wait. Go Lula. Left is best. <laughs>